is a member of the Mud Puppy Games Network. Hey old school gamers, this is Bad Mike, otherwise known as Save, 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 here with the Save for Half podcast. Now that you've cast out the evil sorcerer and taken his treasures and searched his colon for gems, it's time for you to kick back and listen to the Safe a Half Sideshow. The Save for Half Sideshow, where it's all fun and games until somebody takes a four-sider to the eye. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Save for Half podcast, a podcast about old school games and movies and the modern games and movies inspired by them. I am DM Mike. I am joined, as ever, by DM Jim, DM Corbett, DM Liz, and DM Satan. What? (laughs) I got upgraded. Awesome. I love it. You're always Satan to us. Uh, It used to be a big deal when you would come on the show, Mike, but now every time I turn around, you're on a Whoa, whoa, slow down. Hold on. Oh, on this show? (laughs) Well, I do talk and create every Wednesday night with Eric, and so I I deserve an award for that right off the bat. But no, I I haven't been on with you guys since before Christmas, I don't don't think. Since, oh yeah, it's last year. We actually got you on for a review before November. It was... (laughs) Review of the convention in November, yes. I think that's what it was. (laughs) And we are going to be talking about the Dungeons and Dragons movie Honor Among Thieves, and maybe a bit or two about some con that goes on in Dallas every now and then. Maybe. (laughs) Sign up. Open sign up today. Yes, from the back row. (laughs) Yes, Mr. Bottolato, would you like to share with the rest of the class? No, I I just just happened to notice. I I didn't know this, but I just happened to look on Facebook and somebody said that they are, the today is the first day of open enrollment for North Texas RPG Con on tabletop events. So I, I think that's really interesting, don't you? If I so, <laughs> so everyone listening to this, time travel back to yes. April, and you can yes. register. Yeah, this probably, this, this probably won't go up until like you know sometime in June. So you know, bite me early May. <laughs> <laughs> Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, Satan, the Lord mm-hmm. of Darkness here. You think this is spicy, you should have heard the warm-up. Yeah. <laughs> but you see, we are so important to Bad Mike that he mm-hmm. spent this time with us instead of overseeing the opening moments of game sign-up for North Texas because RPG that's Con. Gar- that's why I have Gary. Gary does that. <laughs> I don't know how to do that stuff. <laughs> No, no. That's why you guys have Corbett. Why do you have Corbett? That's exactly why you have Uh, Corbett's sitting there thinking the same thing I am. You're on here for Liz, man. Not us. (laughs) You're not fooling anybody. Liz keeps turning down my ideas for shows with me and Liz. She keeps turning them down. Yeah, well. (laughs) That's okay. She turns down my ideas for shows, too. All right. 
go down the list. We're we're not going to top five this. We're just going to round table it to discuss the movie. But I want to go around once. Everybody give your elevator pitch of your opinion of the movie, starting with Liz. <laughs> You're welcome. Fine. Okay. I absolutely loved it. I thought that there were... The movie is pretty much, I think they encapsulated what the gaming table experience is like. All of the the goofy things that happened, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, everything was, you know, I was watching the whole thing and thinking, this is something I could imagine happening to me sitting at a table with my DM messing with me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Bam, Mike. I... Enjoyed it. I did not. I didn't love it, but I did not find it objectionable in any way, shape, or form. I I thought some of the ridiculous, idiotic comments by the writers of the movie beforehand had nothing to do with the movie, and I had still to this day have no clue why they why they said those comments. We can talk about later. But other than that, I I, I look D and D is not. I'm sorry, it's not a serious game. It's about, it's fart jokes, it's the mage just threw a fireball in a 10 by 10 hallway, or, you know, it's it's goofy things happen. I think this, Liz is right, did encompass that. And I, I didn't find anything objectionable about it. My, my one sad thing is I just don't know if it's going to, if it's going to move the arrow when it comes to people who are non-gamers. But other okay. than that, I, I think most gamers should enjoy this movie. Okay. Corbett? I think I'm in the same ballpark as Liz. I'm I'm basically uh, for everything she's saying, except I'm also countered against her in every single facet of my uh, existence Ooh. here. It was a fun popcorn movie. It was enjoyable, but I think the one thing that was kind of bugging me was there wasn't. I, I wanted a cutaway. I want I wanted the tabletop. I wanted the moment of you know where's the Cheetos, and I know that wouldn't have worked. Although there was enough downtime in the movie, I think it'd be fine. But it's not like a oh this made it terrible. It's like no, I just think that would have kind of been cute. Put the element back in. So kind of like they did with the gamers, you know, they'd kind of switch back and forth between the table and then their characters, and then back to the table. It doesn't have to be overpowering, but every I mean, wouldn't it be funny if it was cut away into like the kids doing Stranger Things D and D, and then back to them and be okay. Be like, whoa, that's kind of weird. And is that what D and D is? Kind of. Okay, <laughs> but. Not a, oh, this is the worst because of that. It's like, well, that would have made it neat. Okay, Jim? I really, really liked it, and I didn't, uh, that wasn't my expectation going in. I'm just like, okay, I've got to watch this. Let's see how good it is or how bad they muffed it up. It's like Fantastic Four movies. This is the fifth one or something if you count directed (laughs) DVD video. So I was way pleasantly surprised, and exactly why for me personally is my number one rule is good writing fixes everything. That movie had lush cinematography, beautiful effects, great actors, great cast, great direction, but... Those writers gave every main character a character arc and every character arc paid off. And then the whole story paid off. And that's not something you can even count on an MCU movie to have always. Sometimes MC, MC, you know, the superhero movies don't do that. So, yeah, for a big yeah. tentpole popcorn movie, I don't know how they could have done a better job. You could take anybody in blind that doesn't know anything about Dungeons and Dragons and they would like that movie. Okay. Uh, I didn't want to like this movie, especially after the OGL kerfuffle at the beginning of the year. I didn't want to give a dime to Wizards, even second or third hand. But I saw the reviews. People seemed to like it. So I thought, well, what the heck? So we went, and I really enjoyed it. 
even though I'm not a big fan of Forgotten Realms. I think much like Liz said, you know, a lot of that I could see going on. Some of it I could hear the players making those comments around the table as their characters. I mean, it was it really felt like this is how a game of D&D goes, especially when they were taking magic items that did A but were using planning to make them do B or C. That's that's vintage player character activity there. Now, is it my favorite movie ever? No. Will I get it on DVD? Probably. Are you mad because we tricked you into seeing it by choosing it for a show topic? Um, yeah, I'd forgotten. That was actually the main reason I went to see it is you guys wanted to cover it. So I was like, well, all right, I guess I ought to go then. But I probably would have went anyway because there are people I like and who I know can't agree on much of anything online who are all agreeing that that D&D movie was good. And I'm like, okay, there may be something to this. But okay, discuss. And I'm going to start with the first thing, uh, Forgotten Realms setting. I've heard a lot of people lament that it, why wasn't it in the Greyhawk setting? And would I liked it have been in Greyhawk? Yeah. By the way, everybody, spoiler alert. We're going to be giving lots of spoilers here, so deal. The movie's only been out two months. What are you talking about? (laughs) If you haven't seen the movie... Your life is finite. Oh, wait. Shut this off. (laughs) Watch the movie, then come back and listen. We'll wait for you. We promise. So, would I like the movie in Greyhawk instead? Yes. Do I realize that that's just not going to happen? Because my demographic is not the heart of D&D anymore. And whether you like that or not, that's just the way it is. I was torn at the reference of Morden Kanan. I liked the little plug for Gary's character in there. Mm. But on the other, it makes zero sense for it to be in Forgotten Realms. Well, it was kind of disappointing to me only because I had totally forgotten that the D&D cartoon was in Forgotten Realms, too. Was it? And that like, made me a little sad. I was like, I always presumed that was some weird alternate world. Was it? And yeah, they, they fight bullywugs in one of the well, episodes. I mean, that was Fiendfolio. That, that was well before Forgotten Realms. But it's considered a Forgotten Realms monster. And since they were in the movie, now they're in Forgotten Realms for sure. Yeah. Even if it wasn't true, now it definitely is. <laughs> <laughs> Don't, the only cartoon thought I had was just that thing they stole in the beginning. Was that Avengers Missing Horn or something? And I just don't know enough about the cartoon to realize that. Maybe. Who knows? If it is, I haven't heard any comment. It was evil. I think grognards like us need to realize nobody cares about Greyhawk anymore, which is sad. It is sad. I wish it were different, but I heard a rumor that that paladin in the movie was actually supposed to be Drizzt Erden, but they changed it for unsaid reasons. Some suspect it's because they didn't want to cut any royalty checks to Salvatore. Oh, I read about this, Mike. They cut it and changed it because the character wasn't working out, because they wrote him as that character would should be portrayed, which was kind of a, a little bit of a downer, less funny character. So they, at some point, just decided it was a better fit to have this kind of paladin character in there. Huh. Okay. Yeah, he was a lap of minute paladin. I think I got that straight. <laughs> yeah, put put, put in his own dang movie. He needs to be in his own movie. That's, yeah, I don't need him in here. Well, and... Of course, then you run into the the problem with Drow going on right now. Oh that's or going on right now that's been going on for decades. But I wonder if that's another reason why Greyhawk really wasn't even considered 
because then would that open them up to some suits from the Gygax estate? I mean, yeah, I know technically Wizards owns it because TSR owned it, but... Well, for the longest time, you didn't have a lot of stuff happening with Greyhawk because of the whole Gygax connection. Yeah. So years went by without Greyhawk getting any love from any product at all. We remember Greyhawk, but a lot of the younger players don't really have much of a Greyhawk history, Mm -hmm. and it's a little too late now to bring it back. There weren't 65 novels set in Greyhawk. But yeah, I've I've heard some arguments that they didn't like Edgen, Chris Pine's character, because other than being the leader, he was pretty useless. My thought is, well, he's a bard. Oh, ow. Um, how actually how is he a bard (laughs) well Well, he he, sort of plays a lute and he sings a little yeah what what magical spells did he cast hey you don't know (laughs) maybe those songs were magic spells you know i hate to say this he was was a total 3.5 character because he was a bard thief Right. Yeah. Well, he never did anything except run his mouth. Second edition bards did have thief abilities. To be That's fair, true. I'm playing a second edition bard right now, and <laughs> I can confirm. Speaking of character classes, though, what druid was the druid? Because I've never seen a druid transform that much. Because you're rivet counting, Corbett. Then that's ah. that's that you cannot. Take a movie like that and say, okay, this this is going to fit in exactly this class here and this and this race here. It's that look, the movies are made yeah. for general public who don't they don't care and they want and to do this crossover. They, and and they what is cinematic? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it'll be the way druids work in sixth edition. Uh, probably now. Yeah. Oh, you can turn into an owlbear <laughs> now because the movie everybody loved it, the movie. Come on. You could turn into an owl uh, an owlbear before at least no. uh, old school. It's like ninth ninth level. I thought they were limited just to natural creatures. And when other they, than the owl reached... bear, she did turn into natural creatures. Unless, unless your DM allows it, in which case, uh, off you go. You know, who cares? That's the, yes. the, the at ninth stuff. level yeah. in the old, like first or second, you were able to turn into uh, whatever it was, slightly magical creatures, unicorns, owl bears, and that crap. Huh? Okay. It had to be freaking high level, so. I should have led with this that I went to see it on a matinee with uh, Tim Cask. And my primary concern going in was Tim losing his at some point over something in the movie. <laughs> oh, shocking. That's some shock. So you were dealing with your own beast. Uh, yeah, yeah. So so when Hasbro One went by in the credits, he's just like, you know, that was it, you know, right? Oh boy. And then he totally got swept away in the movie. And it was halfway through the movie before I realized what it must be like for him because it's one of the old guard he's watching a mm-hmm. 110 yeah. million tentpole movie made out of stuff they worked on in a closet at that house 40 years ago 50 years ago mm-hmm. whatever it's been and and he got swept up in the movie and his sole rules thing through the whole thing was at one point he leaned over and elbowed me and goes who is she supposed to be and i'm like well she's a druid and she's a tefling what's a tefling and like 30 seconds of telling him what a tefling was and that was it he loved the rest of the movie but but he's like I, I'm not from his generation of players, but there weren't settings when we started. It was all do it yourself. Our setting was my brother's mm-hmm. universe. You know, the, when a Greyhawk or Forgotten Realms thing went by, it all went by me. I just didn't. 
I, w- I was just happy to see D&D up there. And like Liz said, the, the spunk of the things. You guys were talking about how much it's like a game. That whole carriage heist with the portal and the painting and the mirror and stuff like that. How much was that just like a bunch of players trying to come right. up with an overcomplicated plan that will never go right? Because nobody can make the rolls. <laughs> and that whole graveyard scene, too. I cannot, <laughs> even, I cannot even count the number of times that our old G- DM, Chase, has done exactly that kind of thing, trying to mess up our clerics who have the speak with dead spell. It's like, oh, I'm going to make it so that you lose your questions before you have a chance to find out what it is you really want to know. It's like, oh. <laughs> and then the end credit scene where they didn't ask him all five. Yes. The guys just stuck there. <laughs> so one of the things where I talk, that Eric and I talked about this movie and talk, talking create Wednesday nights, YouTube. <laughs> Wednesday nights at a 7 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Central, sorry. But there are people that, that don't that don't like the movie just because it doesn't match their idea of what D&D should be. And I tell people this movie isn't made, it's really, honestly, it wasn't made for anybody in this podcast. This They wanted to MCU this stuff. And the MCU succeeded because they went beyond comic book fans to general public. My wife loves MCU movies now. She has never read a comic book in her life. She doesn't care. But if you just had comic book people coming to the MCU movies, they would have never been the success they were. They had to get to the general public and say, you're going to care about Ant-Man and Iron Man and Captain America. Well, this is the same way. This, they already have us. All the D&D people are already going to go see the movie. They want to get the general public there. And so they're not going to be that, okay, well, this guy can only cast this spell this many times a day, and she can only shape change, whatever. That's all goofball stuff that nobody that they don't care about. They just want regular people to date night movie. Hey, this looks fun. Our friends like it. Let's go see it. I think in that respect, they, they succeeded. I don't know if it's going to be enough to make the movie. I would generally agree with you with the caveat that I do think that they made an attempt to stick with some of the rule. Like most of the spells that happened, I could identify as soon as they cast it. I mean, absolutely. I mean, stab at it, but I think like you were saying, when it comes to, you know, what looks cinematically good versus rules, the former wins. I mean, the Chris mm-hmm. Pine character, I mean, like jokingly was said, I mean, he wasn't a bard. He was just a, he was a dude that a thief, maybe, I don't know, kind of a thief. I never even saw him do any thiefly stuff. He was mainly a planner and just planned stuff, but he wasn't like any bard I've ever seen in any game. But then I didn't care that that he was just a character in a movie. I, I didn't sit there and go, oh, he's not doing the class exactly the way the class should be, because he should be able to to uh, pick pockets at 45% and cast two second level mm-hmm. spells. No, it, it's no, it's not that. It's just that he they have recognizable character types, but they weren't exactly... Which honestly was better than I, on, I really expected, because I mm-hmm. expected, considering since third edition, I expected mm-hmm. not to recognize any archetypes there, but they stuck with it as much as they did impressed me that they at least got that far, you know? I thought they did a great job of pleasing fans and and normies, I guess. I thought they did a really good job with that, but you're never going to... Most fans. Able, well, you're never going to be able to... Well, you know, fandom is notoriously unable to be pleased. I mean, look at Star Wars, Star Trek. Just pick pick your fandom. There's always going to be people that are... I, I, I know people... Uh, they still haven't seen the Lord of the Ring movies because Tom Bombadil is it. I mean, it's been, what, 20 years now? Go see the damn movie now. It's been 20 years. No, Tom Bombadil isn't it. It's, uh... Tom Bombadil sucked to begin with. Who cares? <laughs> hot take, hot take. 
I know I'm the oldest guy here, but we were all at least born in the 60s. Have I got that part right? Yes. You know, we grew up in a world where we were getting by on TV on, you know, the Six Million Dollar Man and the Incredible Hulk was all we oh, had. Yeah. Now we got the Mandalorian, Star Trek Picard, a, a good D&D movie that probably did good enough. There'll be more. It's an embarrassment of riches. I get so impatient with people that just want to rage for the sake of raging over all this stuff. Or Wizards and, and Warriors. I remember being <laughs> so grateful that Wizards and Warriors existed as a TV show, even as campy and awful as it was. It was something. And, you know, 14-year-old me, it's like, there's something that I want to watch on TV, which almost never happened. So, yeah, I mean, I remember when we had so little to choose from. I mean, we won. Remember what it was like to be a nerd in high school or a Star Trekker, a Trekker oh, in high school? And oh, yeah. we've, we've won and inherited the world. And now these movies are being written and directed by people just like us who grew up playing the game and reading the books. It's Yeah, but the, the downfall to all that Bad Mike pointed out is everybody's included in it now. So you can't go like everybody's a, a comic book fan. So they're all going to Comic-Con. So you can't go to Comic-Con anymore because everybody goes to Comic-Con. But at least us D&Ders can go to a North Texas con where it will never <laughs> ever sell out and we will be accepted there. Nice. Are you sure? Right, Mike? Nice segue, Corbin. Nice segue. Are, are you sure it will never sell out? Mm, it will see. never ever sell Dude. out no matter who the guest is. Oh, I hate to, I'm going to hate to break this to you. I don't know what to say. Corbin, that was the killdozer of segues. No, no. Oh, boy. You're on, Mike. Oh, it's me. Oh, that's right. <laughs> you threw it to me. Uh, well, well, are we through talking about the movie? Because I did want to bring up two things about the movie. Oh, bring up two things back. that you oh, did about the movie. <laughs> no, no. Two, no. Yeah. So I, as much as I liked the movie, I thought the halflings were terrible. I, I understood why they did it, but it was that was the worst part of the movie, I thought. The halflings looked awful. They're just tiny people. Okay, whatever. And uh, But I know why they, they didn't want to get a letter from a Tolkien estate. I know why they didn't have, why they didn't look like Lord of the Rings halflings. But yeah. I, I'm I'm sorry. It blows my mind that that the two writers had to come out unsolicited and have a press conference where they state they love to emasculate men in their movies. And I didn't see any man emasculation in the movie. I don't understand why they would unbidden come out and say that unless they just wanted to. Because the male leads <sighs> weren't really combat monsters. It was the females. The, pal who were. the paladin was. He was an yeah, but he was an panic. NPC, obviously, just yeah. there to get the thingy he and was then the leave. DM's character. He was like the DM's favorite NPC. Wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm oh, here boy. to point you in the right direction to make sure you go the way I want you to go in my game that I am running. And then as soon as you're going that way, he goes away. But <laughs> isn't he awesome? <laughs> Well, I mean, Chris Pine's character, people, oh, he didn't fight anything. He, his whole job was to plan stuff. And you know what? He wins. His plan works. At the end, his plan worked. And that's why they bring down the evil mage. Spoilers, oh, I'm, the evil I'm not but, saying but, I, I mean, agree. He, I'm he, just saying that's the argument. I mean, emasculated men would have been all his plans fail and the women do everything and the men look stupid. That would have been emasculated, but that wasn't part of the, that wasn't the movie. Why on yeah. earth would the writers even throw that out there giggly? Like, yeah, we're, we're going to emasculate all the men here. Unless I, I don't get it because I, I will be honest with you. I believe, I think that cost the movie 5% of its audience. Maybe not more than I that, but I, I think that cost. I, I doubt saying. it. You know, there is always any kind of, 
brouhaha about anything stirs people up to go see what the fuss is about. I, I know people that didn't see the movie just because of that, though, Liz. They, they, they are, oh, mm. that movie Emasculates Men, I'm like, no, it really didn't. You have to see the mm. movie. And I just don't get it. I, I, I don't think you have to stir people up, because I don't know if anybody remembers this, but but I, I like the movie Solo. The movie Solo that came out, I saw it with my granddaughter. We, we liked, liked it, it quite a bit. I liked it. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, yeah. it, it, was a, it. It was considered a flop because it didn't make back $80 bazillion. But one of the things the director came out with, uh, once again, unbidden before the movie came out, was, yeah, you know, I think there's a chance that uh, Lando Calrissian is having sex with this robot because he's he's into robots. I, there was no <laughs> robot sex in the movie. I watched the movie. There was no <laughs> robot sex. Why would you even say that? Wasn't that the two directors that got fired and replaced by Ron Howard later? I think it might have been. <laughs> Maybe they're the ones that got fired. I don't know. But it just, they're, they're, why would you make these statements? I I don't get it. Let the movie stand or fall on its own merits. But I don't know why you have to build up dumb hype. I mean, build up hype, but don't build up dumb hype. And that's just dumb hype. because I, Everybody's you know, sitting- got their soft spot, Mike. I, I know I was personally very disappointed that there were no boulets shown in the movie so that we could argue about how to pronounce boulet for another <laughs> 10 years. Why but I know where there are Daddy? going to be. I know where you can argue about how to pronounce boulet, and that's at North Texas Con. Oh boy! This June. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, once again, uh, for the for the fifteenth year in a row, um, <laughs> we're going to be having North Texas Con, and I, I'm hoping for the fifteenth year in a row, Liz and Mike will be there because they are special guests. So if you're not going to come, let me know now. Um, but I, I think yeah, we well, have you. Uh, we 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 in. did we we did you know put up games on the oh. on the game thing so oh okay oh that, that so, case so that i i'm gonna count on you being there but we're we're, wow. we're kind of committed this is our 15th <laughs> year and and um as as was hinted earlier um we we do cut off our registration to 500 people because we want to stay a small intimate fun con and for the first year ever we're going to sell out this year and i say that because we have over 400 people registered as of april 15th today but we have never had more than 250 registered in our history before this day. So we're, we're 150 people past the pace. And I, I have a good feeling that we're going to sell out in the next month and a half. And you get um, to reject people at the door. <laughs> we don't want to. That's what yeah. sucks because I don't want to do that. But if we don't have our, our, our rule has always been, if we don't have games with spaces available, we are not going to make you pay to come in and we, we just won't do that. But we every year we have what about you know 40 60 people that don't show up and so we roll over their tickets and so though we're, we're pretty sure we'll have enough for walk-ups because of that and we also have way more games registered this year than we ever do we have almost 300 games already and that's way over our we usually i think gary said the most we've ever had up to now is 170 180 we have like 279 or something so we're we're doing really really well this year and like most conventions this year I, I, gary Kahn already had a great year and and people this weekend that we're talking right now are at Chaosium Con, and they're doing great. So it's cons are back after the after COVID, and they're doing really good. And we're we're just uh, I don't think it's anything we did personally. I just think it's because everybody wants to get out and game and have a great time. But it's a hundred dollars for the weekend, which is a, not too bad uh, if you look at other conventions, and that includes Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So um, yeah, for four days. Well, we have Wednesday night. If you show up Wednesday night, you can get in free. You don't even have to have a ticket Wednesday night. Just get in, hang out, play board games, show up, wander around, talk to special guests, bother Mike and Liz if they're going to be there. And uh, not not this year. We're not going to be there Wednesday. No night. Wednesday. No Wednesday night. No. 
No, the Fialco boys are coming down Tuesday, so they're going to hang out, and then we'll oh. all four come to the con on Thursday. That's right. The limo didn't cut. We couldn't get the limo company until <laughs> Thursday. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you're, you're going to have to up your game for next year. Mm, mm. I agreed to mm-hmm. run the Ready Player One challenge this year, too, and, and you <laughs> d- couldn't even give me a limo. Jeez. Uh, yeah, you know, we, we, we try, try to work things out, but, uh, but John, John Peterson got a limo. He buys his own limos, dude. The guy, the guy is... He got a limo. That's what I said, <laughs> and I stick by it. He takes he he's one of those people that vacations in Europe. I mean, he does those kind of things. Yes, he can get a limo. Mike is right. He has rolled up to the con in a limo because I saw him getting out of the limo. I'm like, uh, that's John Peterson. Hey, I guess the writing business pays well. They need to get some paparazzi to wait for him. <laughs> Mm-hmm. We love well. We love John showing up. I don't think he's going to show up this year. Though. I haven't talked to him. We'll have to see if he wants to show up. Well, he, well, he, he just pops in. He'll Half just the time in. he shows up unexpectedly. Anyway, he does. Yeah. He he's just you know he's one of those guys. I I know. I think it's weird that you guys have such an incredible connection with this guy. I mean, you guys every time I turn around, he's on your show talking about something. I can't even. Well, he's you can't cool. even get him on talking crit. <laughs> Well, no, he's cool. Does that mean we're not cool? <laughs> Eric and I aren't cool in talking Craig because we can't get the guy. We try to get him, and he's like, eh, I'm too busy. Oh, I'm going to be on, but I'm going to be on Mike and Liz's show. <laughs> so what were the dates of North Texas? Uh, it's going to be, it's always the first weekend in June, and it's going to be June 1st through 4th. You can show up early, Wednesday night, May 31st. It's at the Westin. I'm just going to, I'm not going to give you a address. It's Westin DFW Airport, Irving. It's right north of the airport. It's off of uh, 114. And Next to the La Quinta. Look- yeah, just <laughs> right, right by all the all the other hotels. And uh, oh, by the way, so this I don't know if you guys knew this, but you know we sold out of our room block. And, like, yeah, there's no more rooms that. at the hotel. Their hotel is sold out. There is nothing left unless people leave. We're just like Gary Con and Game Hall now. They sell out hotels. We never sold out the hotels. So we sold out the hotel. There are four hotels within walking distance, and some other. There's a lot of hotels right around there, so it's it's not that bad. We have food trucks this year, as the last couple Yay. of years. We're going to have a barbecue food truck, a brunch, a breakfast, lunch, brunch food truck, and then also a. I don't think we're going to have the coffee truck again. I know Liz is sad about that. The the coffee truck was really that was a great the one. One year one. you had the coffee truck, we weren't able to be there in person we oh, did all our stuff virtually it did that year great yes it did really, really good and then we're back on site the very next year no more coffee truck no it's like no coffee eh. truck. communists well that bait and switch oh yeah. well the person well the person who did the coffee truck was actually a friend or somebody we knew from waco and i don't even remember i think the only reason they did it that year was because that was a covid year and nobody else would show up and so they said, I'll bring my coffee truck. And like, oh, we'll, we'll take your coffee truck. And it was awesome. So we were, we were extremely yeah. happy. <laughs> yes, but we'll have bre- they're, there's They're going to bring back the buffet breakfast this year, which they didn't have the last few years. They haven't had since COVID. They're going to have the uh, buffet breakfast going on. I'm trying to find my, our list of special isn't, guests. I could uh, probably. Yeah, I was about to say, isn't there another important guest that's going to show up? Uh, a certain yeah, actor? Alan Hammock will be there. I, and Alan Hammock has done some acting. Yes, you're right. Oh, you need somebody <laughs> else besides Alan. Yeah, Joe Joe Manganiello of uh, uh, True Blood. True Blood, right? True Blood. He did for he yeah, did yeah, some, yeah. True Blood. He he is uh, better known, but probably best known as Sophia Vergara's husband, which I think is unfair for him to to be known as that because he's an actor. He in his was own Flash life. Thompson, the first Spider-Man. Yes, he movie. was. He was. People don't mm-hmm. remember that, but he was. But no, he's a super nice guy. Gary's talked to him a few times. He is uh, he's really excited about coming. He's like 
he told Gary, he goes, I don't think of me as an actor that plays D and D. Think of me as a D and D player that also likes to act. Cause I think, which I think is pretty cool. And so mm-hmm. he, he will definitely, he will be there and we're going to let him just drop into whatever games he wants to drop into. He told us he is looking for very traditional games. That's what he wants to play. It's very traditional games and especially ones based on classic D and D modules. So that's kind of cool. I think he's just so because he is making a D and D documentary, and he did some filming up in Chicago at our friend Bill Meinhardt's uh, castle or house or giant giant collection holder, whatever it is, where he's got like every. You know, as long as he's not dragging his five E Dragonborn anti paladin into the game, that'd be great. <laughs> no, he's but no, he's really uh, yeah. So he really likes traditional old school D and D, and he's he's going to probably be. We're hoping that he's going to preview some of his D documentary when he comes, which would be cool if he did that. So uh we're we're so is he doing his own documentary or is he taking yes, he over is. from the failed documentary mm-hmm. that Kickstartered like ten years or so do you ago? have to bring that, that up? Liz? That failed why one got you, done. Why? It premiered at Gary Con. It did. Yeah, it finally did. I didn't see it, but it was the, it was premiered at Gary Con. They finally finished it. Finally did it. But it's no he he's doing the right thing and starting from scratch because yeah, that's those things have been so poisoned well that yikes. I don't think you can thing there with there that it will help. And, and he's one of those guys that can get it done because you know he's he knows he knows all the I was shocked at everybody that knew him because we were turned on to him first by Jim Gitches. He said, Hey, you th- you thought about asking Joe Manginola to your convention? You're like, no. <laughs> Why would he come? We're like, oh yeah, he loves stuff. And so we got a hold of him. He said, I'd love to come. And then he called Bill Meinhardt because he's friends with Bill Meinhardt. And he's like, hey, Bill, should I go to this convention in Dallas? And Bill's like, yes, it's a good convention. You'll love it. And so I'm like, what happened? How did all these people get connected? And we we didn't. But but no, it's, <laughs> it's awesome. So we're going to we'll have Joe there and he's going to play. And I don't know. I don't think he's running anything. He's going to play games. But we have the usual mix of uh, special guests and um, trying to think. We had some last minute. Oh, we have some, so some last minute guests. We had... Um, uh, Kelsey, uh, Kelsey uh, Dion, who did the awesome Shadow Dark. Um, Shadow Dark, yeah. Up. Yes, over a million dollars, well, which is amazing for a 5e, a gritty 5e, grim and gritty 5e club, which is, it's really awesome. I, I was turned on to this by Eric, who I didn't know anything about it. Eric said, have you read this? No, it's 5e. He goes, you got to read it. You're going to like it. And I liked it. And I've talked to her and she is delightful. She's awesome. So she is going to be there and, and hopefully running some Shadow Dark games. Uh, we have the usual old, we have a bunch of old school guys. We've got Chris Clark there, Alan Hammock. We've got Darlene again. Diesel will be there. Uh, Jeff D's getting, and, and uh, Mander are coming back after, a, they haven't been back since before COVID. Oh, cool. And so they're, they're finally cool. getting back. New school guys. We have a couple of young guys this year. We've got, we got Bill Barsh. We have Ben Barsh. The younger the is hair. a special guest. Yeah, the hair, hair will be there. <laughs> Because we like, you know, all these guys are getting old. We, Tim Cass came last year, but that was going to be his last year. We'd already talked about it. A lot of these guys, Jim Ward can't make it anymore. And and so we're like, you know what? We have to get younger people that are also old school because we got to be ready for the next generation. So so Ben's on there. We have Keelan, uh, Keelan Halverson, who's a great artist. Known as oh, my dude. And this guy's awesome. He, he just and he is so into D&D and he's such a good DM. That we're happy to have him too, and uh, that is such awesome karma, Mike. Because yeah. North Texas Con was his first game convention ever. Isn't that cool? I know. Uh, well, uh, apparently it was Ben Barsh's too years ago. That was his first convention he ever went to, or gaming convention he ever went to. Which I I think it's weird that his dad never took him to a gaming convention. Come on, man. 
But no, then we have I, I finally found my list. It took this long to find my list. So Ben Ben Burns, uh, Levi Combs, oh Zeb Cook will be there, of course, old school Zeb Cook. Cool. Uh, Lissa Fadden, the uh, cartographer supreme. Yay! Uh, Matt, Matt Finch, who's actually been to every one of our conventions, also. Well, he actually went the year you guys didn't come. He actually appeared in person, so he's got one up on you guys. So oh. you just you were remote that year. You you didn't you didn't actually show up. So, but then we have Rock, Rocky Gardner, Ian, uh, who do uh, Silver Belay Productions. They're they're and by the way, uh, so Jim is part of the the what is the uh, the name of the group that you're independent publishers independent union. publishers union. you're gonna have you're gonna have them all yeah skeeter rocky ian uh, jeff telanian yeah uh, levi combs and mm-hmm. just wah 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 just not me because i can't fly and, well, and uh, greg gillespie be there mr mega dungeon dwarldy oh janelle and rebecca will be there again because uh, they live so close they, they can't they can't dodge us so they just <laughs> they just drive across the bridge from Rockwall and they're here so yeah i'm looking forward to going to gillespie's uh talk on mega dungeons because well, give him uh, a hard time because i he and i argue about mega dungeons all the time well i'm just hoping for some ideas on how on how to convince players to to play in one because i've never been able to well he has some good ideas you know actually he gave me some great ideas about my possible mega dungeon that i had not considered so he does have some good ideas but i i would argue with greg and i have argued with greg none of he another thing he does is actually a proper mega dungeon and then we get a giant argument so <laughs> but yeah, his no, that's going to be great. Yeah, he's doing a really. Wait, good you get into arguments with Greg Gillespie? Oh, I'm dear. shocked every time we talk. But but we're both Dallas Cowboy fans, so we have to love each other. So we have to stick together. We have to stick together. Lloyd Metcalf will be back this year, artist, and uh, uh, Stephen Percorny, who um, will be running some really. Stephen loves to come to our con. He has a great time. But we just we love having Steph on there. Uh, oh oh, uh, Dennis Astaire is coming back for the first time since post con. Uh, and uh, he'll be there with dr scott robertson they both wrote buddies and burrows and dr robertson will be running buddies and burrows so we'll have buddies and burrows unfortunately all the games filled up and then uh uh, ken spencer frog god games uh james shields who did our logo this year and last year um mr top secret merle rasmussen will be there as as mentioned jeff telanian uh tom wilson will be there uh, mr Sharkon. oh uh, Steve Winter, who is golly, uh, first thing I ever read by him was uh, Lost City. Did, no, not Lost City. Uh, what did he do? Forbidden City. Or was that Zeb Cook? Boy, I can't remember now. I don't know. Steve's been there forever, though. Steve's been there forever. And then we also, so this is, we decided to go outside the box, and James Raggy's going to be here this year. And James Raggy, for those who don't know, is the brains behind Lamentations of the Flying Princess. And he only has ever appeared at Gen Con in the United States. He has never appeared at other cons. As a matter of fact, when I asked him, he said, why do you want me at your convention? <laughs> and I said, because you created a whole type of gaming, a weird fantasy, gory, grim, gritty, whatever you want to call it. And you're not old. <laughs> But but you never come, you never do anything but Gen Con, and I said we're not Gen Con, and I, I you know James didn't understand why we wanted him to the con, but I told him because you only go to Gen Con, Gen, and, and every time I read read your post of Gen Con, it's such a because I've been to Gen Con a couple times, it is a be it's a beating, it's you are so beat, mm. tired, and it's expensive and everything. And I said just come to our con, mm. hang out. What am I supposed to do there? I don't know. Run games, sell stuff, talk to people. Get we have fans that want you to sign things. I mean just just hang out and talk about stuff and he just couldn't believe it he's like i don't understand that i was like well that's what we do in north texas <laughs> we do who do you think nobody understands just, <laughs> just come and hang out i mean that, that's we all we ask our special guests is they have to run two games or events and then they just are accessible 
that's the one thing we say. You just be, be accessible and hang out and talk to people. We don't have any VIPs. We don't have any green rooms. We don't have any special passes to get in the back room or you know, anything like that. And, and, yeah, uh, you just walk back there anyway. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, nobody cares. We don't have any security guards. Just kind of come and hang out. So it's it's a very laid back, cool calm with a bunch of real. I mean, you just noticed all the special guests. I named about forty special guests there for a convention of only five hundred people. By the way, but we we but we love having special guests. And so we, we have to, I mean, at a certain point, we actually have to cut it off every year and say, okay, we can have more because more people are showing up that are actually published authors. We just can't justify having that many more special guests at this point. So that, it's always been the best thing about North, North Texas Con. You can go to Gary Con and get in a game run by somebody like Jeff D or Errol Otis, but you go to North Texas Con and you'll be playing at a table right beside one of those dudes. Like Bunnies mm-hmm. and Burrows. Me, me and Liz show up in Bunnies and Burrows, and there's Jeff D, who, by the way, is going oh, to yeah, be the yeah. party leader in Bunnies and Burrows no matter what. But we got to play with him. Yeah. And years <laughs> back, Mike and I were in a D&D game. And discovered halfway through the game, oh my gosh, Errol Otis is in the game with us. Right you know, there. We did he not know it was Errol he Otis until it was about halfway through. <laughs> er- Errol showed up in a Michael Curtis DCC adventure as the lucky halfling, and there I sit with a wizard. So I'm like, okay, oh well, God. fate wants me to get to know this guy. <laughs> I, I so <laughs> I when I was running the BX B one game, which I will bring back one of these days, oh, but not do. this year. Um, oh. Liz has played it a few times, but Errol has played twice. Are you just letting the, the pet shop pilot more dogs. Uh, for <laughs> I just you know once um, unfortunately when Doug passed away a couple of years ago, I just I've done try to be more and more accessible to do stuff. And Gary's like, you just need to run your game. I'm like, I just can't yet. So maybe next year I'll run it, but. But I've run Errol twice. I've DM'd Errol Otis twice. That is a bullet point, folks. That is what's known as a bullet point. That, that's that a Errol, resume keeper. Yes. Errol, Errol, has at, Errol has asked to be in my game twice. Mike, I, I know that your game already sold out, but is there any way I could slide in? No, Errol. No, there's no way. You should have been there <laughs> at midnight and signed up. I'm like, what am I supposed to say? I'm like, yes, of yeah. course. Who do you and, think you he, are, Errol Otis? <laughs> yeah, come on. What have you done? What have you done? Let's see your bona fides, and then we'll see if I can work you in, maybe. But no, so that, yeah, it's, it's that kind of con. And I don't know. Steve Winter likes to play in games. And Alan Hammock has played in games before. I, I think last year when Alan Hammock ran his boot heel game, that Steve Winter played in that, tried to disrupt things and got killed. So, which he probably deserved, I'm sure. So no, it's so it's it's this year when all the OGL stuff went nuts and. Honestly, I think the OGL stuff going nuts has been a big uh, plus for conventions. It's been a plus for game companies. Game companies have done great this year uh, that aren't that aren't named Watsi. That that's probably probably why we're doing that this well this year. But old school gaming is whatever huge. works. We have, we have no, there, there is a thing because Kickstarters mm-hmm. have taken a hit this spring because of uh, the inflation going on. But other than that, the game industry is doing great. Like people, every every friend and every indie company I have right that I know right now is as sales are up. And, and what's interesting is you know five E is not doing well unless it's Kelsey's Shadow Dark, which did over a million dollars. I mean, and that's five E, but because people 
they, I don't think they just don't want to deal with Watsy. And, uh, and so they're just like, yeah, what else you got out there? Oh, here's shadow. Here's the swords of wizardry, a hundred, hundred thousand dollars of Kickstarter this week. Here's a shadow dark. Here's just that they, they mm. would, they want to play games. I just don't know if they want to play Watsy anymore, which I'm fine with that personally, guys. I don't, I don't oh. care. Come, come play our old school games and play old school and, Gary and I had a had an announcement at the beginning of the year that we we were not going to allow 6.0 D and D in our convention starting next year, and and maybe we won't have to worry about that now because they swear there's no 6 e or 5.5 no, or 5.5. D and D. Uh huh. Yeah, we'll like D and D next, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't even think they call it. They, I think they it's just 5 e with some tweaks because we got our Pre-arc. kicked a few months ago. We're not we're not changing anything now. It's going to be okay. Whatever, uh, <laughs> but 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 now that five E is is it's going to come out, out of print now. Yeah, five E is going to be out of print. Old school game. Well, five bring on the five E now. So, yeah. but anyway, we're at heart we're an old school game or old school game convention. We're not a lot of conventions you go to where you can play first edition D and D. You can play BX. You can play O D and D. You can play a lot of games that are out of you know top secret games that nobody plays anymore. So. Yeah. Well, you make a fair point because now that 5e is being deprecated to an older edition, we've got to welcome those new young grognards into the fold. <laughs> you know, so pull up a chair, have a beer. New, yeah, that that newfangled D and D. Yeah, not like the old days. I, I, I have a story. I, I told a story from a couple of years ago. There was a young young guy that came to the con. Oh, did I interrupt you, Mike? I'm sorry. <laughs> a little. Mike wants to wrap it up. That's that's his wrap it up voice. Let me wrap it up with a long story here. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it started when I was a young lad. I was oh like six God. or seven. We're coming on board, bad Mike. It's good to see you as always. Yeah. There I was, standing in the game store. There you still are. Anyway. <laughs> Seriously, thanks for showing up. No, thanks for having me, guys. It's great. And we will wrap things up and uh, say goodnight, everybody. Good night, everybody. Don't miss your limit <laughs> of the con, guys. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> Later. Adios. Free arc the limo. I said free arc the limo. <laughs> and we're out. Podcast is a production of the Mud Puppy Games Network and the Gagman Podcast. The Save for Half theme music is provided by the band Mississippi Bones. You can find them at mississippibones.bandcamp.com. All player characters mentioned in this podcast are fictional, and any resemblance to PCs living or dead is purely coincidental. No NPCs were armed in the making of this podcast.